Welcome to the Green Feet Podcast. I'm your host, Robert. We got a pretty fun show this week. This week, we talk about the new Ben Hogan wedges, some new ping irons that leaked out, and some equipment observations from the Corn Ferry Tour stop in Dallas this week. Oh yeah, I'm finna shoot a low. I hit the twirl and then hit the fairway and then hit my wall. All right, like every week, it's time to start off with bourbon of the week. This week's choice is Makers 46. It's a higher end Makers mark. It's finished with some French oak staves, which really help mellow it out. So what they like to do is uh, they say that there is some uh, harshness if it's overaged, and so. Th- the French oak staves really mellow it out, bring out some of those good flavors in bourbon that we like. I got to say, it's a pretty nice gift to bourbon if you know someone that is into bourbon and you don't want to take them regular maker's mark. All right, so I got my drink ready for this show. So now, hit pause, go make your drink, and let's talk some golf clubs. All right, first thing this week is the Ben Hogan Equalizer Wedges. Now, I talk about Ben Hogan a lot, and like all Ben Hogan products, the name of this the name of the game with these irons is forged. Now, Hogan and many in the industry believe that forged feels better. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the metal hardness is the real determiner. It is the best way to provide consistency from club to club. A lot of times with casting, we find issues with air pockets, things like that, uh, hot zones where the ball goes a little bit further than we want it to. And so with forging, you do get a little bit better consistency, it seems. Now, I do love the fact that Hogan forges all their clubs. Now, this is going to be the second version of the equalizer wedge from Ben Hogan. The first set, if I'm being honest, weren't really my cup of tea. I didn't like the way they looked and how they looked in the bag, how they looked from the top. I I just wasn't a big fan of it. Now, they felt great, but again, I just didn't like the way they looked. Now, when I talk about the Ben Hogan lineup, I've talked about them before, and I talk about how much I like their stuff, but to me, it's always felt like the wedges were a weakness in their lineup. They had great irons, great woods. Their hybrids were off the chart. I love their putters, but I just couldn't get along with their wedges that much. So when these showed up in my email inbox... I got to say, I was really happy to see such a beautiful club. The stamping on these is classic Hogan. There's nothing too flashy. On the back, it's got the classic Ben Hogan starburst. It says Equalizer 2, and then it's got the Ben Hogan script on it. It's not flashy. It's not over the top. It's a really pretty wedge. Now, we can talk about the looks of the club all we want to. We can talk about the black finish. We can talk about all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what we really care about is the specs and the performance of the club. Now, this new Hogan lineup, not the one that we remember from the early 2000s or the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, when they were coming out with the Apex, things like that, this new Hogan is famous for forging their clubs. And the other thing they're famous for outside of forging their clubs is their V-Soul. That was something that's been around with this new Hogan lineup since they restarted. The Fort Worth lineup of irons, had these had the V-Soul. The Icons have the V-Soul. The PTXs have the V-Soul. It's definitely something that, a technology that they believe in, we'll say. 
Now, the V-Soul is a lot like the Shirks on Cleveland irons and wedges, which, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of, considering I got Shirks on irons and, and Cleveland wedges. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that lineup. So the V-Soul is something that I do like in my irons. So what is the V-Soul? So basically, with the V-Soul, there's a noticeable bump in the middle of the sole, which helps with turf interaction and works well as a dual bounce system. So basically what you're getting is you're getting high bounce on the leading edge, but a lower bounce on the trailing edge. So that's going to help you on those side hill lies. It's going to make it uh, be a little bit less uh, turnover. It's going to help with downhill lies. It's going to prevent you from, from digging in too much, things like that. So it's a really nice system that they got with these, uh, with that V, with that, uh, with that V sole. It's really nice. So, um, you know, in the words of Hannah Montana, you're basically getting the best of both worlds, right? You're getting that high bounce and the low bounce. You're getting anything that you can need. We're knocking it out of the park there. Now, if this was the only sole option that Hogan was going to offer, I'd probably be dinging them right now for a lack of options. But they are also offering what they're calling their new Texas grind. So what is the Texas grind? Now their CEO, Ben Hogan CEO, Scott White, said it was inspired by the better players in their office who play a lot here in DFW where it's often windy and dry. That's not anything that is going to surprise anybody who knows anything about Hogan and anything about golfers and golf in DFW. Well, what does windy and dry lead to? It leads to very firm fairways. So... Here in Dallas, especially Dallas-Fort Worth, this area, we need a grind that really gives us some heavy toe and heel relief, which is going to help us pick the ball a little bit cleaner and avoid some of those fat shots. If we get something with too much uh, bounce on it, we tend to dig in a little bit because we got to kind of be a little bit of a picker. That high bounce is going to stick in for us or help us catch it thin. And that's really... It's not what we're looking for with our club. So we need a lot of toe and heel relief to help get through those those firm fairways. Now, the Texas grind is available in their 50, their 54, and the 58-degree wedges, while everything else is offered in two-degree increments from 48 to 62 degrees. So if you want a 52-degree with the Texas grind, you're not going to be able to get it. But you can get that 52 with the traditional V-Soul. So... It's going to be pretty cool. They're offering a bunch of finishes on this. So you're going to get their uh, DBM finish, which is their diamond black metal, um, which is actually better than any other black golf club that you find out on the market. This is actually, it's a weird kind of finishing process where the black goes into the metal and doesn't wear off like a PVD does. So it's very durable. All right. And, as always, the Hogan direct-to-consumer model helps keep these prices down a little bit. So these wedges are actually going to cost you 125 bucks, which, when you actually think about it, isn't too bad for a brand new wedge. And if you run over to PGA Tour Superstore, you're going to get a Vokey. You could look at a Callaway, but that Vokey is going to cost you 159.99. So when we talk 125 for a new wedge, you're getting a pretty good deal, in my opinion. All right, now that we've talked about those new wedges from Ben Hogan, I know it's not huge groundbreaking or anything like that. It's a wedge. But what I want to talk about next is some new irons from Ping that kind of leaked out. 
Um, we saw some pictures back in December, January, during the winter, and they were widely regarded as fake. A lot of people said, these aren't the new irons. These, This is a fake. That's not what they're going to look like or anything like that. Well, today, Victor Hovland, actually, earlier this week, Victor Hovland has some new Ping I-59 irons that look exactly like the ones that leaked out in December and January. So it's pretty interesting that we had a bunch of people saying that that was fake, meaning they had seen the design, and that's what we ended up with. So I, I wonder where they got those images from. Now, when you see these, right, it's a grainy picture from probably 100 yards away, so it's going to be pretty hard to see what's going on. But when we first take a look, there's a couple of things that really stand out to me. The first thing that really stands out to me with these is how much they look like the old Nike irons. Now, some of you may not know this, but Ping, when Nike got out of the golf business, Ping bought all of their IP. So when we talk about all the technology you see in, in those Nike clubs when they first came out, Ping owns that. So it's not really surprising to see the fact that Ping has designed an iron that looks a lot like those old Nike golf clubs. Those Nike irons were pretty well regarded. Nobody ever thought really that Nike made bad irons. It was kind of their woods that fell behind. So the fact that these look like those Nike irons is pretty is pretty interesting when, when you actually think about it. Now, the other thing that catches my attention is the fact that these are going to be an I-series. Now, this is going to be a new, better player iron from Pink. The I-Series has long been their better player club. Big shout-out to my favorite irons ever, the Ping I-20s. If anyone's got a set they're looking to sell, give me a call or send me an email, anything like that. I would love to buy them off of you for a good price. They're my favorite irons ever, and uh, that is backed up by a lot of people who still play them. They're really hard to find on the used market. So, anyways, that's a sidetrack. The I-Series is their better players club, and so the fact that these are an I-Iron really leads me to believe that these are going to be a better player's iron. Also, it's on tour, so of course it's going to be a better player's iron. I mean, you don't see many G425 sets out there on the PGA Tour, so the fact that it's on tour leads us to believe it's going to be a better player's irons. The other thing that's kind of interesting is the 59 name. Now, Ping, for those of you who don't know, also had a lineup called the S-Series. So it kind of went G was the game improvement, I was the better player's club, and then the S was kind of their version of a blade, right? Ping never really came out with a blade, but the S series was really one of those clubs that was pretty close to a traditional blade. And the 59 was the first iron that they came out with in the S series. So this kind of shows that we are going to combine these two lineups. So we're going to get the I, but then we're going to get that 59 as well, signifying possibly something new. Right, So we're going to get some kind of hybrid between these two. Now, we don't really know what's going on with these. Not many people do. We don't have any information. All we have is this kind of grainy picture from Victor Hovland's bag this week. But we do know that they're out on tour and that they will probably be coming to market pretty soon. Once we get that info, we will definitely talk about it. One thing I'm seeing some people say it has a screw in the toe. So some people are thinking that it could be a hollow body. But my argument to that is the I-500 is hollow body and has a screw in it. But the Ping Blueprint 
has a screw in the toe and it is not hollow body. So just because it is a hollow body on a pink iron does not, I repeat, does not mean it's going to be hollow body. So let's see, let's see what happens with these. It's all guesses. Every, anything you read about them is pretty much a guess at this point. But once we learn more, I'll make sure to post the real update on the blog and I'll probably do an episode on them. All right, finally, we're going to talk about the Corn Ferry Tour and their visit to DFW about 20 minutes from my house at the Texas Rangers Golf Club. I went out on Thursday so I could make sure I see everybody. I really enjoy equipment, so it's really nice to stand on the tee box and just watch people walk by. I tried to peek into a couple of bags to, of ping staffers to see if I could get an eye on those ping I-59s um, and, and other things, but... I did notice some interesting stuff out there on the course that I want to, you know, kind of tell you guys about and make some observations. You know, we all look at the PGA Tour, but we got to remember that these guys are most likely sponsored, but some may have a little bit more freedom in what they play. So let's kind of break down some of the interesting stuff that I saw out there. All right, so the first thing I noticed... When I, was, when I was watching players walk through, was the putters. Now, we all have this idea that, you know, tailor-made putters are used a lot. A lot of people use spiders. A lot of people use a bunch of different brands of putters, things like that. But in reality, if it's not an Odyssey, a Scotty, or a Pink, I hardly saw it out there, right? The Pink staffers were using Pink putters. The Callaway guys were using Odysseys or Toulons, which are Odysseys now, and and the Titleist guys were using Scotties, and those are going to be your three, your three big brands in the first place in terms of people out there. But you know something I see a lot on tour are guys using TaylorMade putters, right? Spiders, um, the the TP series, things like that. But all the a lot of the TaylorMade guys that I saw using put, you know, using their their Scotties, they weren't out there using spiders or those other tailor tailor-made putters so it was it was very odd to me seeing only two tailor-made putters i think i saw i saw one spider and then i think i saw one tp patina collection the, you know that copper patina collection um with the red face that's kind of what what made it made it obvious to me that it was a tailor-made putter but it was it was pretty crazy to see how few tailor-made guys we're actually using tailor-made putters. I mean, hell, I saw more Odyssey backstrike putters than I did spiders. Let me let me rephrase that, or, or and say it again. I saw more Odyssey backstrike putters than I did tailor-made spiders. All right, we have this idea that spiders are used everywhere. I saw two backstrike putters. There are still people on the second. Best tour in the world, maybe third best in the world if you count European tour. In the top three tour, I saw two guys using a backstrike putter. Multiple people. I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. First guy I saw, I was like, is that a backstrike putter? Then I saw him put an Odyssey head cover on it, and I was like, I got to follow this guy and make sure I see him on the next screen because I got to make sure that that was a backstrike putter and that I'm not losing my mind. And it was a backstrike putter. And then I sat 
and I watched a couple of more groups walk by and hit into the green and take their shots. And then Tommy Two Gloves come, and he's using a backstrike putter too. I didn't know. I I can't. I haven't seen a backstrike putter in four years. People out on on the everyday course, the municipal courses that I go play, even they think backstrike putters are ridiculous. And there's two guys on tour using it. I just I couldn't believe it. The other thing I noticed with putters was how few mallet putters I saw. Now, we all see stats of how many guys are out here using mallet putters on tour. And to be honest, I just didn't see it. I mean, obviously I could have missed it, but I, I stood by the putting green for a good 20, 30 minutes. And there were a lot of players out on that putting green practicing their putting, getting ready for their round. And I think I saw four or five mallets out of probably the 30, 35 that I saw out there on the putting green and throughout the course. I mean, we're talking a severe lack of mallets here. And and even when I was, was following some groups and I didn't watch them putt and I just sat on a tee box and I watched them kind of come by, I was definitely peeking in bags, right? I'm a I'm a... I'm an equipment guy. It's cool to watch them walk by. You're you're within arm's reach of the bag. And I, I'm looking at these head covers and I'm going blade, 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 mallet, mallet, blade, blade, right? I, I hardly saw any mallets out there. So I was very surprised at the lack of mallets. Now, when it comes to drivers, I got to say there weren't many surprises out there. Most pin guys were hitting the new 425. The Callaway guys were using the Epic. But what was surprising was the amount of guys still using the original TaylorMade Sim. We heard a lot going into this driver season that the Sim was just as good as the Sim 2. The Sim 2 made some minor changes, but we weren't seeing massive improvements. And I got to say, if tour usages is the same, and, and as a barometer of that, then I got to say the original Sim is still as good. I saw just as many of them as I did the Sim 2. Now, there were a lot of original Sims under Sim 2 head covers. That way people think they're using the Sim 2, but they're still out here using the Sim. So don't, don't be surprised when you watch on PGA Tour and you're like, hey, that's an original Sim. That's an original Sim. It, it, it really was truly a 50-50 a share of that. I saw... Some of the bright blue, but not a ton. The other thing that was kind of surprising was the Maverick Fairway. Most of the Callaway staffers were still using Maverick Fairways, and it's pretty obvious when they weren't because you see that little bit of flash of orange underneath. Um, definitely interesting that the, the Callaway guys were using the Epic Driver, but the Maverick Fairway was what was staying in the bag. And what that shows me is those guys on tour, and we've seen this before, that a lot of them like using five woods or four woods and have been backing down out of their three wood because they're designing them to go so far and to be so low spin that those guys are just hitting it too far. And so the Maverick is going to be a little bit higher spin than the Epic as a general rule. Now, these guys may be using the Maverick Sub-Zero and they could get more spin out of the regular Epic maybe, but the Maverick Fairway is relatively high spin for a tour player. And so the fact that they can probably get a little bit more spin on it with that Maverick while 
using the epic driver which is lower spin to maximize that distance there is was surprising but not you know confusing by any means another thing you'll notice out there is a wide variety of shafts being used in drivers so i saw everything from a hulk i saw la golf shafts i saw just a bunch of stuff getting used out there all week or all day i saw any make model of, of golf shaft you can imagine. I saw different finishes. I saw Diamanas. I saw LA golf shafts. Like I said, I saw a lot of Project X. I saw 10 size. I saw it all. So um, golf shafts, it really is about finding what works best for you, not the popular one or something like that. Um, those guys play what works for them when it comes to golf shafts and to see a wide variety it says a lot about the golf shaft industry. Another cool thing that I saw was a player who was on staff with Sub-70. I meant to write his name down, but I didn't. Awesome look for those guys over at Sub-70. Uh, you guys can listen to my interview I did with the CEO over there. And it's a, it's a great interview. It's a great company. Uh, they're doing some really good stuff. So I'm really happy for those guys. Now, speaking of paid sponsored players, it was also insane to me how many guys were out there Sponsored by PXG. Now, I would say it was almost one out of every six players was a PXG guy. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a lot more than I expected. I I was I, I couldn't believe it. Now that's not to say PXG makes bad stuff. I'm not trying to say that I'm surprised people use PXG because I'm not. It's it's a quality product. It was just I just never noticed them out on tour whenever I do watch the tour you know you don't see when i watch the pga tour you don't see a lot of guys out there just slinging around pxgs but i guess i guess they do because i saw quite a few guys out there quite a few guys out there playing those pxgs another thing that i noticed was how just good these guys are um i know i don't talk about the tour a lot i'm an equipment podcast i don't talk about playing a lot um or anything like that, but these guys are so good, right? I played, I played that course about two and a half, three weeks ago, and I was hitting from a tee box up. I wasn't going to tip it out. Um, also, they weren't letting us tip it out because of the tournament was coming up. They had some of the back tees roped off. But when I played for my correct distance, I was ended up in some of the places these guys were, right? I was, I was teeing off 30, 40 yards ahead of them, and you know, I was hitting. 30, 40 yards, or we were landing in the same spot. So those guys definitely hit it further than me. I'm not trying to sit here and say like, oh, I hit it and play from the same spot as the tour guys. I'm not saying that at all. But what you notice is how these guys get around the course so much differently, right? I was I was looking at a shot that I played, and and on the first hole at dog legs left, it's 10 out there. Uh, it's one when the regular people play it, but they reverse the nines. But when you, when you watch it, it's a big dogleg left. And when I played it, I ended up where a lot of the tour guys were. Of course, I was playing from the a little bit forward tees. I was playing one up. So, but I ended up there. You know, when I was out there, I went, oh, I'm 240 out. Let's just, let's just rope three wood up there and, and knock it close, right? See if I can't, see if I can't knock it in, in two and get towards the green and, and maybe have a birdie putt at this and, and take a good look at it. And then I noticed something. 
Those guys were playing from the same spot, and one of the three went for the green, and the other two guys said, you know what, I'm going to hit six iron here, and I'm just going to play over, play it safe, avoid the bunker, and play the course as it's designed. Right, one thing about golf course architecture, if you're a golf course architecture guy, I could be butchering this, I'm kind of into it, but par should be easy on a golf course, but if you want to make birdies, you should earn it. And these guys go out there and they play it tight, but they would rather have an easy birdie than a hard eagle. They'd rather have an easy par than a hard birdie. They know when to they know when to go for it, they know when to lay back. The the amount of talent that these guys have is just incredible, right? Their best shot is five times better than my best shot, ten times better than my best shot. And their worst shot is my middle shot. And my worst shot is their walking off the course. But another thing you'll notice is TV makes these guys look really good, right? You go out there and it really sets an unfair expectation on us, right? We watch them just drain. 12-footer after 12-footer after 12-footer. If you go out to a tournament, they're not draining those 12-footers, right? I watched a guy two-putt from eight-foot. Me, when I get out there, I, I miss an eight-footer and it rolls past two feet, I'm pissed, right? Because, well, hell, Spieth makes them all the damn time. I, I, they don't miss them on TV. They don't miss shots on TV. Well, if you go out to the course and you watch these guys, they do miss shots. I'm not saying they're not good, but it is a quick way to humble yourself is to go out there, watch those guys hit a bad shot and how they just go, yeah, all right, next shot. And then they recover from it. And it just makes you go, oh, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Why Why do I get pissed off? I just watched Y.E. Yang two putt from six feet for a par and I think I should make a birdie there? That's ridiculous. Don't do it yourself. That's just a little side note I want to say. If you ever have the opportunity, go out to a tour event and follow or watch some guys by the green. And they're incredible with their wedges. They're going to knock it close and they're going to do things that you wish you could. But it will make you realize, one, how good these guys are. And two, how good TV makes them look at the same time. Right, and I do have one final, one final equipment observation that I want to share with you guys. And what I noticed was the amount of stand bags at the Corn Ferry Tour. Right, like I said earlier, these guys are sponsored, but they have a little bit more freedom for the most part. Right? Maybe they don't have a staff bag. Maybe, maybe they Monday qualified. Right? They're uh, they're they're those guys who. Who are true grinders, right? I, I love seeing I love seeing those guys out playing with standbags. It's a true sign of a grinder, right? The guy who who you know has always played really well and wins club championships and and works for the works for the country club and he's out there and he doesn't make a lot of money, but he goes out there and he gets to play free golf. That's his payment, and he's just living the dream, right? He hits balls after he puts all the carts up, after he cleans all the carts. After he's picked the range, he goes out there and he hits a large bucket, right? Or maybe he hits the large bucket before he picks up. But he gets home a little bit later than he wants to. His life is golf, 
You also got the college kid who just graduated and is just trying to make it out on tour. You got that guy out there who Monday qualified, and it, he's got all his friends and family there watching him live out his dream of playing a professional golf tournament. I, I'm somebody who really likes watching people accomplish their dreams. I love those videos of professional athletes making their debuts, right? I love the videos of the of the dads, um, you know, that, that hockey dad who has been pretty stoic and is pretty stoic around his family or something like that. And his son gets out there and he, and he scores his first NHL goal and they go over to the dad and the dad's just crying and the mom's celebrating with her friend. And you can just see the, the hours of sitting at a hockey rink or sitting at a court watching his son practice, watching all that stuff. And so I like watching people accomplish those those dreams. And those guys out there with the stand bags, with their college stand bag, is just it's just something I really I really like. You know, you can always tell the local guys out there too because they got twenty people walking with them, um, and they're all just excited and they live and die with every shot that their their friend or their son or 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 their brother takes. It's just, it's just. A really cool thing to watch at a, at, at a lower-level tour like that. All right, so that's it for this week. Like always, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard this week, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Now, if you've already subscribed, first of all, thank you very much. But please, please, please rate and review on your po- podcast platform. If you rate and review, that's how more people find about find out about the podcast, and it's how we can spread the word of the green fee. I really appreciate that. Also, feel free, and I hope you check out content on the blog, thegreenfee.wordpress.com. This past week, I did a review of Bryson DeChambeau's giant jumbo max grips. Go make sure you check that out. Also, to see when I post any content on the blog, to see when new podcasts drop, Follow me on social media as well. You can search me on Instagram at the Green Fee. You can look me up on Twitter at the Green Fee One, and on Facebook in the search bar at the top. If you search the Green Fee, you'll find me there. My goal is to start posting something daily for a whole month. It's going to be a fun follow because let me tell you, one after about a week and a half, I'm gonna forget. But Hopefully, my wife is listening to me right now, and she reminds me to do this. I'm also going to try and set a reminder on my phone. And then the other thing I want you to notice when you follow me for the next month to watch me post every day, what I want you to notice is that about week three and a half, when it starts to get towards the end of the month, how much I'm going to struggle for content. Because a picture every day is a lot of pictures. All right, so follow me there. I'll post it on Instagram, and I'll share it on Facebook, and I'll share it on Twitter. You're going to get some cool content if you follow me. You're going you're gonna to be engaged. You're going to have a good time. So if you're still listening right now, you are the best. Hit them straight and have a great week. Gang.